It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. As I always tell you, my favorite columns from the NFL comes from Mike Sando from TheAthletic.com, especially when those quarterback tiers come out. That is a column that lasts for a long time. You bring it to dinner, you bring it around friends, you bring it to the bar, and we always have that conversation. Mike Sando is joining us now on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood as we talk Bears in the NFL right here on ESPN 1000. Mike, Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, good to be here. How was everything with you and your family during this uh, this tough time with the uh, shelter in place? Well, we're we're blessed so far. I've got a uh, wife and two sons. We're here and and healthy. So um, you know, all things considered, that's a pretty good spot to be in. Absolutely. All the best to you and your family during this uh, very difficult time. Well, I'm glad that you came on because, Mike, uh, as I always say, I really enjoy your work as, at ESPN originally and now with The Athletic because I've been following your your columns. And one of the things we talked about in a column that you wrote last month was talking about Mitch Trubisky and the piece. If you have not seen this, as Mitch Trubisky heads into fourth year, which past quarterbacks are the best comparisons? You know, it's nothing like a Mike Sando piece in which it just where truth hits you right in the face, Mike. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, like you you see the games every week, and then you break down the numbers like you did when you talked about how Trubisky is failing to reach even seventeen points in forty three percent of his starts. Boy, that that tells a great story about the f- first few years for Trubisky in the NFL, does it not? It does. You know, I think um, this is funny. I was talking to a coach about this yesterday. And, we, you know, how many games are enough to really know and shoot in this day and age? Guys get fewer reps in practice, the whole thing, and people are getting fired quickly. And Ryan Pace, under tremendous pressure, they got to make a move. So, uh, yet, when you, I think when you get about three years, usually, you know, three seasons, it's a decent enough body of work that you've got a good idea one way or the other. And, and Really, this offseason, they're probably handling it about right. You know, they are. They do have something else lined up, right? They're not just going to go with Trubisky blindly, and part of that is for the reasons, you know, that I sort of laid out in the column. That I mean, they can see that too, right? I mean, uh, there's hope, but there's not proof. You know what happened, Mike? I, I talked to some people around the Bears. I said. You know, when was the first disconnect for, for Nagy, a guy got guy comes from Kansas City, working with Mr. Trubisky, trying to say the right things publicly, and they said the bell rang that first game that the Bears played against Green Bay. National television audience, everyone's watching. It was a it was a bowling shoe ugly game anyway, because both teams didn't score well, but just how inept Trubisky was moving that offense, I think that was the beginning of the end for Trubisky in which he can move the offense at all against Green Bay in that opener. You recall that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, you know, look, we can all – the players, You can't at a certain point you can't lie to the players, right? I mean, they know um, whether your quarterback's kind of, you know, real or not. I think it doesn't help that, obviously, in that same draft class, you had a couple other guys who did really well. So um, the offense obviously is not improving, and when that happens, you know, your coordinators are going to get let go, which you know some of that's already happened on the coaching staff, and your quarterback's going to get a little bit more chances, but uh, the pressure's on this year. Mike Sando from TheAthletic.com with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Uh, how much can Nick Foles enhance the offense uh, other than Trubisky? What can Foles do, do you think? Yeah. 
Well, I think Foles uh, probably can have a different level of just confidence and freedom. And, you know, he's, he's won a Super Bowl. He's got some credibility. And I think, you know, just play the position a little bit more relaxed and let it go. Now, I don't know that he's necessarily a long-term answer or uh, even a full-season answer. You know, I don't know that he's proven that. But uh, you put him on a team like Chicago that has, uh, you know, a, a pretty good defense, and, you know, hopefully they've got enough offensively around him and maybe he could uh, spark them and just sort of let everybody excel and, and, and just play ball. You know, I think he's probably got uh, some you know leadership ability to him and, and people um, respect the fact of what he did with the Eagles over the second half or late in that season and, and winning a Super Bowl. So he gives you something that's, that's probably different, a little bit more relaxed and, uh um, you know, the type of guy who's probably a great backup, maybe one of the greatest backups, <laughs> you know, in recent years. When you take a look at, at Trubisky now to Foles right now, Mike, do you believe that when Trubisky came out of college, he only had 13 starts with North Carolina, was with um, – was with uh, in a situation where he was the backup to Mike Glennon, then becomes a starter under John Fox, and it was a lot of running, a lot of the running game, and now you see um, Matt Nagy in place as the head coach. I'm just wondering, does the offensive playbook even match what Trubisky's skill, skill sets are? Because all I remember from Trubisky early was he's a heck of an athlete, can run out of the pocket. But as far as him being able to be a difference maker with the arm, that wasn't there at North Carolina. I wonder, is that, does the playbook at all match what Trubisky can do? Well, I mean, I don't think that's a terrible mismatch when you think of what uh, you know Andy Reid was able to do in what should be a similar offense with Alex Smith, right? I mean, isn't there some sort of a, uh, you know, a little bit of a similarity at least? I think one of the big differences is that uh, Alex Smith had had five or six years and taken his lumps and sort of figured things out. You know, and I think you raise a good point. Trubisky really didn't have a ton of experience. And we see a lot of times a quarterback gets taken in the first round. It doesn't go great right away. It doesn't fix that problem. And so they fire the coaches. And, I mean, we've seen that. Baker Mayfield, there's a ton of guys. Sam Darnold, they, they all go through this. And it throws another sort of hurdle in the way. And remember, Nagy's not Andy Reid, right? I mean, he hasn't shown ability over time to adjust and fine-tune it for exactly uh, who you are. And Trubisky is inexperienced, much less experienced than anybody um, than Alex Smith was when that offense worked well um, in Kansas City. So um, I don't think that's the main problem. You know, I I think that, uh, you know, Trubisky just has to, has to, to grow and develop and become a better pro quarterback. How much did your eyebrow raise when Jimmy Graham was selected by the Bears? Um, it did. You know, I, I, I did a big piece for The Athletic last week on uh, just free agency, talking to people around the league about the various moves. I, I think the signing of Jimmy Graham for what he got was one of the most criticized moves, you know, and I was sort of right there with it. Like, Gall didn't look that good, um, even with Aaron Rodgers throwing to him, and what does he have left? Why are you paying him? And so I had that conversation with some people in the league, and a, a couple of them were actually a little bit higher on the move from Chicago's standpoint, just from the idea of, number one, that Jimmy Graham actually was pretty good in the playoffs late in the year, played better late in the year. If you're getting that, you like it. And then, uh, you know, basically that 
um, you're not relying on him as your only guy. You're going to have two two guys there to share share the load in Kansas City, and maybe those two guys right now are in uh, are better off, you know, having not being the the one. You know, they they can both sort of be one A. That said, I don't love it. I mean, I don't love to get uh, a much older uh, guy who doesn't run the way he used to run. Um, but it shows you too. Look at the market for tight ends. I mean, Greg Olson got paid by Seattle a little bit. You know, he got yeah. seven and a half million or something. You're not finding these guys in college. Mike Sando from theAthletic.com with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. How do you assess, or how do the people you talk to assess Cam Newton? We remember Cam when he came out of college. And you saw Cam 1.0, and he was all the bravado, and he can run with, had the legs, and had a strong arm. So how do we look at Cam Newton now in 2020? Well, I think he's always been seen as a great front runner. You know, when things are going crazy, he's he's pulling his chest open, and there really is an S under there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's amazing when he gets going. Uh, now, he's had some injuries. The team wasn't as good around him. Um, and he's not necessarily the guy who rallies the troops when the chips are down as much. And so now you have those questions about, okay, um, is this the beginning of the end with these injuries? He really hasn't put together a consistent season for a little while. Um, and then he got held on to by Carolina, so he wasn't even in the market during the year when there were tons of other guys. So uh, he really became an odd man out um, for those reasons, getting the late start of free agency, having the injury history. You can't even look at guys' injuries. Uh, um, I think it's really too bad for him. I don't think that the, it looks like even the Chargers are going to um, sign him, although I think that would be a great spot for him. I really do. I think with that defense, and and uh, I think Anthony Lynn just can't wait to have somebody who can move an inch because Philip Rivers couldn't, you know, that it could be a good fit. But they may just be going with Tyrod Taylor and drafting somebody. God bless Philip Rivers. He's going to go in the Hall of Fame, and he should be inducted by Leslie Stahl. And the reason why is because just just like uh, the sun comes up in the morning, you always knew that if the if Philip Rivers is down by seven with two minutes left in the game, he's going to throw an interception running the sixty minutes, except on the West Coast. <laughs> I mean, every I time it took him sixty minutes to run a forty yard dash. <laughs> uh, that was my sixty minute. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Philip Rivers, when he's protected, is totally different than when he's not. So when when he is, like he might be in Indy, I wouldn't be surprised if he did well. But uh, they were ready to move on. In just just LA. for me, Mike, he's got he's got to be uh, right up against sixty minutes if possible. They got to have that because otherwise, I can't recognize him if he's at a a yeah. one o'clock Eastern time. That doesn't work. He's got to be down seven. Yeah. Try he's got to go the length of the field interception right into. Right into uh, 60 minutes. It's got to happen because it's happened for years. <laughs> ESPN had a stat for that for me once. I, I, I got to go back and ask him again, stats and info, of how many times that he was down seven in, in the fourth quarter. It, it has to be like an all-time record, seriously. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. He played a lot of years there where they did not were not good on defense and they were worse on special teams. They've had a better defense recently, and they probably should have won more. Uh, no question. Uh, so I, I'll ask you. So you mentioned we talked about Cam. So does Cam have more upside than Jameis Winston? We saw what happened with Winston. I mean, he, he got the thirty thirty club interceptions and touchdowns. That's the, that's the wrong thirty thirty you want to be in. So so who has more upside? Is it Jameis or is it uh, Cam Newton? Well, I think it's Jameis for the long term. But I would say Cam Newton 
if he were if we were just proven to be 100% healthy right now, he'd probably have more upside for a season. I just would be, you know, worried about committing more than that because I don't know how well he can hold up. I think it's going to be the beginning of the end for him uh, playing that type of offense where, you know, he's really running on power runs unlike almost anyone um, ever from that position. Winston, to me, would be a better candidate for, you know, getting some, you know, maybe getting humbled a little bit and being, you know, on a team with a, a good head coach who's been around. You know, I, I thought somewhere – I thought somewhere like New Orleans or Pittsburgh would be good for him um, where you've got an established starter and you just take a breath, you know, and reassess and understand a little bit, you know, have to have a chance to grow up a little bit. I think he's needed that and it could serve him well to um, step away and not be, you know, the guy who, let's face it, when you come in as number one overall pick, it, <laughs> they're stuck with you, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you don't have to, you can play for three, four or five years without, being accountable to um, anybody, and they're going to fire coaches and keep you. Well, guess what? It's the other way around. Now you have to meet certain conditions to play, and that that can only be good for him, I would think, long term. Mike, lastly, and I appreciate your time. Could you just tell me the quarterback that's going to be in this upcoming draft that you're curious about that's going to play on the next level here next year? Um. That's a great question. I mean, I'm curious about all of them, but I think two is the most interesting one coming off the injury, um, the size, you know, not, I don't think he's spectacular, you know, throwing the football, but there's something about him, right? I mean, you can't sort of take your eyes off him when you watch him. And so I'm really anxious to see how that uh, translates and where he goes and how that fit is and how they run the offense for him. Um, he's probably the one that, you know, if I had to pick one that I could only watch one next year, he might be him. I really enjoy your work as always, Mike, and I'm glad you spent some time with us in Chicago. Uh, looking forward to uh, to more work from you as we get closer to the draft. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yes, thank you. Mike Sando from TheAthletic.com with us here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at TweetJHood. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. A lot of questions about what's happening with Major League Baseball uh, and when baseball will return. All the sports, but in baseball in particular. And there's been a number of columns out there regarding Major League Baseball, including something that was written on TheRinger.com. An ESPN report Tuesday morning detailing a possible plan to start Major League Baseball season in May with all 30 teams isolated in Arizona. And when I read that, I'm like, okay, that's strange. You're going to have all the teams. Everybody's going to be in Arizona. It goes on to say that the idea itself would require enormous and cumbersome logistical work. That's from Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan himself says, enormous and cumbersome logistical work. He's right. Jeff Passan said, but essentially, it would require players, coaching staffs, and the other essential personnel to be sequestered at local hotels where they would live in relative isolation and travel only to and from the stadium. And I stopped reading and I thought to myself something that seems to be common sense. It is one thing 
to want baseball to return. Hell, I want baseball to return. I'm a big, huge baseball fan. Cannot wait for Cubs, Sox, and everything else, Major League Baseball, because baseball is an indication that it's going to get warmer really, really soon, and that we can go to the ballpark, Wrigley Field, and go to guaranteed rate to be able to go to Miller Park, wherever park that you go to to watch your baseball, that means it's going to be fun because that means it's getting warmer. But the thing is, is that I don't want baseball until we know it's safe for us to be able to go out and be able to do what we used to do. And it will happen again. We just don't know when. We can't try to think we can just push Mother Nature, push this COVID-19 aside and go, you know what? If we haven't had baseball in a while. You know what we should do? We should have baseball. And we're going to do whatever it takes to get baseball in. So we're going to sequester 30 teams and put them all in Arizona. And we're just going to play some baseball with nobody in the stands. Just for our entertainment. It's selfish in a lot of ways, right? It's selfish. The thing that I'm most concerned with now, Jonathan Hood, I'm speaking for myself. The thing I'm thinking about the most is health. My health, my family's health, your health. I'm thinking about that. That's the first thing. I open the show every night thinking about your health and wishing you well because the number one thing is not whether or not Trubisky or Foles is going to start the season for the Bears. The first thought I have is whether or not you're going to be back with me tomorrow night. Whether you're going through it like many families across this country and around the world is going through it with COVID-19. The worry or the actual reality of it that's happening in your family or in your circle, that's what my concern is. We're, I'm doing all this other stuff because of this distraction. I do this every night, the distraction of sports. But Major League Baseball trying to do all it can to get baseball on the diamond. Got to get baseball on the field. But here's what they're not thinking. Does baseball consider the coaches and the umpires and the grounds crews and the trainers and the janitors and the laundry workers and the security and the clubhouse attendants and the team chefs and the equipment personnel? And don't forget also, if you're going to have baseball return, everybody goes to Arizona. I don't know why. Everything's got to be in Arizona, not Florida. Huh? Can't be in Texas. Can't be in California. Everything's got to be in Arizona. As the Ringer piece talks about, you've got to be able to make sure that there is some kind of scouting or front office framework and media members and announcers. There's a lot of people you got to think about to be able to bring this all together again. And the other thing is you got to think about, well, we're going to house these guys. All these major league baseball players, where are they going to be housed? They're going to be in hotels, right? It's major league baseball. They're going to be in five-star hotels, as many great hotels as possible. Of course they will be. And so those same hotels that are closed or have limited access because of COVID-19, there's a reason why that baseball and other sports are not happening. It's happening and not happening because of COVID-19. So the idea that we keep hearing about putting baseball here and, and trying to, it's great to throw these ideas against the wall, but nothing should be official from anybody until we know it's safe to be able to go out and sit next to our neighbor, sit next to the guy who's going to pass me the beer at guaranteed rate in the bleachers and knowing that that guy is safe, knowing that guy does not have COVID-19, knowing that guy is not sick. And even in a non-COVID-19 situation, we don't even know if that guy is, the guy next to me is ill or not. I have no idea. But the hotels, 
and everything else that has to be part of this, you've got to consider it. As Ken Rosenthal talked about, already a thousand plus players and coaches would be squished into a 30 team MLB bubble. The default 780 players with 26 man rosters plus coaches plus extra players with expanded rosters. Discussing the expansion of rosters to as many as 50 players to ensure the easy availability of substitutes. But yet we need baseball back. We got to get over this hump of COVID-19 first, don't we? Yeah. Do I want sports? Yeah. I'd love to have sports, but not to overlook what's happening with the disease and people dying every day. Seriously. Got to bring a little truth into this every now and then. Got to have some common sense sometimes when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, the players are itching to play. The fans are itching to watch, but not until people are healthy. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Some thoughts now from players regarding this. Carmen Yurko had Lucas Giolito, Sox pitcher on. Is there any word from Major League Baseball's plan to play? No, I, I, I've been seeing a lot of things thrown out. Uh, I think that it's important that, you know, we continue to develop, like, better forms of testing, quicker forms of testing, because, um, you know, if we do get together and have a season, if one guy gets infected, yeah. then that means pretty much the whole team's going to get infected. Um, and then if the whole team gets infected, that probably means other teams are going to get infected, and that would set us back even further. So for me, it's like I want baseball to start so bad. We all do uh, as players. I know fans uh, share in that sentiment. Um, but it, it's like, I, I don't know, I want us to contribute to the solution to this problem. I don't want to be part of the problem, if that makes sense. Giolito uh, also, um, I just thought that that was well said because he doesn't want to be part of the problem. You know, when asked whether or not players will be opposed to going to Arizona, they want to make sure that everyone's healthy enough to be able to play. Mark Pryor, former Cubs pitcher, also on CNJ, the same question. How do players feel about playing in Arizona? I think on a very general level, I think players, staff, coaches, anybody involved will do, you know, is pretty much open to anything, at least listening to anything and any idea to try to get as many games in as you can. I think first... Uh, I, I would hope, and most people are under the assumption that as long as as society as a whole is in a good spot and is in a good place and we're, if nothing is draining either uh, first responding system or healthcare system, uh, you know, police, you know, fire, all that, I, I think as long as all those questions are answered and, and we're all collectively good, or in at least in a better spot, then I think everybody's open to seeing whatever whatever can be played or whatever we can do to play. I think people are open minded to anything, whether it's you know not going to extra innings, playing double headers. If we have to do it all out in Arizona, we're playing with no fans. Um, I think people are open to it. I think you speak to most people. Um, you know, we want to play baseball. I mean, I want to coach. I want to be part of the game. Um, I'm loving, you know, at least the time I'm having with my family and my kids. Um, you know, learning how to be, you know, you know, homeschooling. That's a, that's a new, <laughs> yeah. new thing, a new skill that I'm learning. Um, but so, you know, you're appreciating some of the little positives that are coming out of it. But I think in the end, like guys want to play and guys want to be back. And that's what we love, what 
we love the game and we want to be around it. So I think we're open to, to almost anything uh, if it makes sense to, to play. I don't know. Just makes sense to me. <laughs> Sometimes, in especially during these times that we're living right now, you've got to be able to have some common sense. And as my grandmother said, sometimes common sense is not common. But you have to be able to have some common sense in realizing that until people are healthy, until we can get out from underneath this COVID-19, there's not going to be games that's going to be played. There's projections and there's ideas. But the idea, the number one idea should be that you've got to be healthy first before we can have these games. And that means the players, too. Not just me and you as fans, but also the players have to be healthy as well. A very special Tales from the Hood as we send shouts out to uh, the first responders. We're going to be doing that coming up next right here on UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. What do you got there? This is your car. My car? I said a 10-second car, not a 10-minute car. Pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood. Tales from the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Here we go. Time for Tales from the Hood, right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Jonathan with you, Tyler Akee, producing and directing the show tonight here on this Wednesday. So, Tyler, um, I spoke earlier about how it's important for all sports, not just Major League Baseball. We talk about baseball because Jolito and uh, Pryor were on the station today. But it's important for uh, everyone to be healthy enough to be able to perform. It, it, I know that many look at sp- athletes and sports figures like they're superhuman, but they just can't just drop everything and entertain just because you want it as a fan. You want to be able to make sure everyone's healthy, fans, players, everything else, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think one of the things that I even thought of while you were talking in that last segment was, yeah, okay, y- what's the goal of isolation? Isolation means solitude like by yourself and now you're cramming what hundreds of people within the these confines and then on top of that yes you want to keep the fans away but you know there's always going to be some person who wants to get around there a little part of the action and, and kind of get up close and personal and then you you reset the whole cycle of everything that's going on everything becomes counterintuitive so i think right now what sports has to realize is Let's stay out of this until it's safe for everyone to resume normal life. Yeah, and it's not be, me being an alarmist. It's just being a realist in right. that, you know, you want players to get back in the field. Okay, but did you think about everybody else? Right. And there's so many other people that are pulling the strings behind the scenes and out front to be able to get this. Oh, just put them all in Arizona because that's not a hot spot. Well, that's stupid. Yeah. I mean, this is we, not me. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's selfish. It's right. completely selfish. So, and I'm fine, and the show's been fine, talking about storylines, even though we don't have games to talk about, um, and that's really a bigger topic. But n- nevertheless, I just think we're doing fine. And we know that um, during this shelter-in-place, uh, it's been difficult on many families and, and many people. Uh, if you're... It, it, whether you're watching on the news, whether it's happening in your family, in your circle of friends, someone that you know. So COVID-19 hit for the first time in my circle. Um, 
my wife's friend, D, um, her brother passed away of COVID-19. It's the first case that's in our family, in our, in our circle of friends. Um, D was in our wedding. She was, um, she was uh, in, in our wedding and uh, she, I feel really bad for her and her family. And I'll tell you who, who was, was that passed away, Tyler. Do you know the story of the Detroit bus driver that was on Facebook complaining about how there was a woman on his bus and she was hacking and coughing and sneezing in his direction and he was pissed off about it. It was a, a profanity laced Facebook, yep. um, you know, uh, tirade about like, why would she do this? She knows she's sick. How come she didn't cover herself? How come she was just doing it wide, wide, wide open? Four days later, that guy died. Right. Yeah, I did see that story. Yep. Yeah, so that was her brother, um, and obviously we're devastated for, for Dee and her family that her brother passed away, who was a Detroit bus driver, and, and I didn't put two and two together until um, Michelle told me, and I'm like, oh, God, that's pretty tough. So what about on, on your side of the ledger? Who do you know or have you heard about COVID-19 in your circle of friends and family? So actually, I, so I live up in Glenview right now, and that is one of the suburban hotbeds of Cook County because there was, I think, a church service and a lot of it stemmed out of there. Um, but I have a friend whose father, I don't know the father that well, but a friend whose father has it. And I mean, luckily... It's been very minimal. It seems like if he hasn't already gotten through it, he will get through uh, the complications with COVID-19. But I will say this. Uh, shout out to my uncle, Bob Aki, who is actually going to... He's a surgeon uh, up north, and he is going to be starting to move into the front lines now and start treating some of these COVID-19 patients. Really, really tough. It's a really tough time right now. And because it's tough... We just thought that tonight would be a great night to be able to shout out some of the first responders and the loved ones that you know that are dealing with shelter in place. And I went to my Facebook wall, facebook.com, and got a really long thread of people. And I think it's a good time to be able to talk about um, my cousin T. Marie. Uh, shout out Kimberly and Lauren. Uh, Roger Dewey says, my niece working at Loyola, Daniel Campos, uh, and uh, also a husband, and fireman Sal Campos. Uh, so Daniel Campos and Sal Campos working at Loyola and also a fireman. Shout out to uh, those two for doing what they do during the shelter in place. Um, Senia Gustas, I hope I'm saying these names right. Robert says a shout out to her. Uh, Don Shanahan says that it's uh, uh, Ron, who is an ER nurse at University of Chicago, doing a great job uh, during this COVID-19. John Henderson wants to shout out Willow, Willow Henderson. 50 hours per week reusing the mask as an RN. Think about that for a second. Like 50 hours per week reusing the same mask as a registered nurse, Willow Henderson. Um, Tim Scanlon says my cousin Tim is one, a firefighter. Fred says my son Dylan Alstead is a pharmacist. Eric Hamilton, who I went to um, grammar school with at St. Alby, um, Eric says, and I believe Eric is a police officer, a retired police officer, but um, Nadia Hamilton, Joy Marcus Cook, um, Jesse Johnson, or Jackie Johnson, uh, Cheryl Hamilton, Yolanda Grantland, just to name a few. Yolanda went to school with her as well. Um, Trevor Hem uh, Hemborough, Trevor says, my cousin Rhonda Fort, 
uh, when Jesse said it's it ain't time to bleed in Terminator, um, he was talking about her. Uh, you sent her to work with no mask, no ventilator, no nothing. She's still doing her job. Um, so a, a shout out to Rhonda for sure. Um, Raymond, uh, El, 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 we have Raymond. I'm going to check out for him at Covenant Hospital. So Raymond, a shout out to you. Uh, Ashley, as I go through the list here, Ashley from Luther General, also a shout out to you. Uh, Marty, who is a longtime follower of me on Facebook. Marty says, my wife, Tara, uh, works at Illinois Masonic. Um, so thanks, Marty, for checking in. Uh, Hector says, to all the grocery store workers. That's true. Think about that for a second, Tyler. Like, if you're you're working at the grocery stores, oh, yeah. you know, some keep it open early for seniors to go in there first, and they've got to deal uh, with people on a regular basis even before COVID-19. So a shout-out to them as well, right? Yeah, I feel like we haven't actually given them enough credit because, I mean, yeah, we, we talk about these medical professionals all the time and, and everyone else that is doing such a great job now. But really, I mean, the grocery store workers, you, you see all this stuff about, okay, the empty shelves and, and the, these long hours and stuff like that that they're working. But I don't feel like they have gotten enough credit because they are making sure those shelves are stocked up again the next day. Absolutely. And those are long days for them as well. So uh, shout out to the grocery store workers that are working, that listen uh, weeknights and overnights. I was there. I was there before I went to broadcasting. I was a guy who was working at, at Jewel and was there for years from college all the way into my broadcasting career. So, yeah. So shout out to them. That's some hard work. Uh, all, my, all my resume once I put on interior shelf decorator. <laughs> my resume, which meant facer, making sure everything was faced properly. On hey, the, you got to stand the out somehow, right? <laughs> Interior shelf decorator. Um, Ed says, uh, give a shout out to my brother-in-law, Lieutenant Todd Overmeyer. Shout out to the Naperville uh, Fire Department. Hope you guys are listening and hope that you guys are well. Again, first responders getting the job done. We should do this even before COVID-19 and definitely after this. Shout out to the fire department, Todd Overmeyer and the Naperville Fire Department for sure. Um, so shout out to the entire department there. A um, couple of FedEx workers have checked in. Uh, Dennis Day says, I work for FedEx. So shout out to all the FedEx employee, employees that are still working. Um, Noah Johnson um, in Alabama. Uh, shout out to him. Tom Dore, longtime Bulls broadcaster. I know you're keeping your eyes like in the Bulls Sonics, right? So, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the Tom Dore era when mm -hmm. he was the play-by-play uh, -play man for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Tom says, a shout-out to my nephew, Mike Dore, a fireman, a uh, policeman, and EMT for Rosemont. So um, that's great, Tom. I'm glad uh, Tom has checked in. His name has come back in circles, by the way, since there's been a lot of replays of the Chicago Bulls games on NBC Sports Chicago. And people remember Tom was always there for all those great moments for the Bulls and a great guy too, Tom Dore. Yeah. Um, Steve Salzman, our daughter, Jordan Curran, or Kieran, she's an ER nurse. So a shout out to uh, Jordan there. Um, Sergeant A.C. Kennard of the Naperville uh, Park District Police. A. Uh, Craig Kennard checking in. So I'm just reading this off the list here. So A.C. Kennard, Naperville Park District Police, uh, saying what's up to you. And uh, so a great list of people. Um, just wanted to give them a shout out. Yeah, one yeah. more 
two for you. And you mentioned yeah. the FedEx workers, too. How about your, your U.S. Postal Service mailmen and women? I mean, they are, even though the mail is pretty sparse these days, I mean, they are still going to work every day. And, I mean, they are making sure that you get your mail day in and day out, which is something that we kind of take for granted. But imagine if that shut off, too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So we just wanted to just be able to just take a moment out of our show to send a shout out and send some love to you, the first responders and those that are working every day as we are going through this quarantine and being shut in and the sickness is going on right now through COVID-19. We just wanted to be able to just tell you on behalf of the show, thank you for what you do before COVID-19, after COVID-19, moving forward. You are on the front line, so thank you so much. As we have to stay inside, you're working outside, and you're helping people. Thank you for what you do on a regular basis. And that's Tales from the Hood right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Oh, Mike Gundy with things to say. That's next on UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. If you have a shout-out for someone that is... um, Going through COVID-19 or someone that is a first responder, I'd love to get your calls. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Coming up at 9, we talk about sports and business. How much is this time away for baseball, for the NBA? How much is it hurting the bottom line? We have a special guest about that. Coming up at 9 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. Um let me go to the phone lines and I got to get to Mike Gundy because apparently Mike Gundy has all, all that we need as far as being able to cure COVID-19 and exactly what young people need to do during this COVID-19. So we got to get to coach Gundy, the Oklahoma state um, football coach, because there's nothing like a guy with a whistle around his neck to tell me what to do with COVID-19. Uh, Eric and Cicero with Jonathan hood on ESPN 1000. What's up, E? How you doing, John? I'm good. I was, uh, I was actually calling in because uh, actually I'm a first time caller, a uh, long time listener though. Yes, sir. Uh, and I just wanted to, you know, pay homage to these freight liners, these freight workers, these uh, railroad workers. It's bringing in a, a lot of a lot of the, the products that we use on a daily basis, and mm-hmm. I don't hear nothing from no one <laughs> about them. So. Well, that's why you're here. You're that's why you're here to fill. You got to fill in the gap, right? Thank you very much. <laughs> you filled the gap in, Eric. See, thank you. <laughs> All right, thanks for checking All in. Right. So, Eric and Cicero sending out the shout out to the truck drivers. Yeah, we didn't have that on our list here. So, but I'm glad that you were able to fill in the gap. You can fill in the gap too. You have a shout out to someone that is uh, going through COVID 19 and dealing with shelter in place uh, or a first responder. Yeah, come on in. 312 332 ESPN is our phone number. We're alone together. I say this uh, at the end of a lot of our shows. We are alone together, but yet we still understand how important it is for those that are doing the things that we can't do. And, and putting their life on the line for us. So we're grateful to that. So <laughs> Mike Gundy, let's talk about Mike Gundy for a second. Mike Gundy, the Oklahoma State football coach. So 
Mike Gundy, who's got a mullet, he's a man, he's 40. I remember that comment and that quote that resonated with me years ago. The self-appointed resident social scientist thinks it's time to get back to football by May 1st. Safely ensconced in his still water Oklahoma bubble of privilege, as it says here in the USA Today, he has constant tantrums talking about how we got to get back to football. According to Gundy, what's the harm in 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds possibly getting exposed to the coronavirus? If they're healthy, it's all good, right? At any rate, we've got to get moving, Gundy suggested, because paying salaries and continuing the economy in this state relies on the bodies of unpaid amateurs and people will feel better watching football on TV. That was the one of the thoughts from the USA Today regarding what Mike Gundy's thoughts was. Mike, Gun- Mike Gundy believes that we need to get back to football, get back to college football. Just a tone-deaf thought from Mike Gundy on what we need to do. And I want to go back and, and listen to that teleconference, right? So Gundy had his thoughts about young, healthy people getting back to work. Is it 100%? No, it's not 100%. Okay? But there could be people that work in this building that maybe are older, maybe have some type of underlying health condition. Maybe they don't come back. But the majority of the people in this building who are healthy, and certainly the 18, 19, 20, 21, 22-year-olds that are healthy, the so-called medical uh, people that are saying the herd, the herd of healthy people that have the antibodies maybe built up that can fight this, we all need to go back to work. Also, Gundy talks about his plan for testing employees and players. There's a lot of smart people in this country that are now working, and I'm thinking in three or four weeks we could have the test ready available for people that aren't sick based on can we test the employees, the 100 people that work in our building, and we can swab them and clear them to come into the building and get back to work. Once we've done that, I'm looking to start testing the players and bring them back. How fast that can happen based on the tests that are available, I can't say right now, but that's the plan. What is he talking about? What is he talking about? This is why me, and I don't speak for you, but I speak for me. This is why I don't get medical advice from those that are in suits and ties. And I don't get social advice or medical advice from those with a whistle around their neck. What we just talked about this hour of how brain trusts across the sports landscape is trying to figure out how we can get basketball on a boat or trying to put the entire major league baseball roster in the state of Arizona so we can play or to be able to find a way to get sports out there. This is what we were just talking about. I want you to replay Tyler again, what Gundy said about young, healthy people, how they should work. I mean, how tone deaf can you be? Not not you play it again. I want you to play it and I want you to get your response. Let's hear from Gundy again. Play that again. Which one? Young, healthy uh, people should work. Is it a hundred percent? No, it's not a hundred percent. Okay. But there could be people that work in this building that maybe are older maybe have some type of underlying health condition, maybe they don't come back. But the majority of the people in this building who are healthy, and certainly the 18, 19, 20, 21, 22-year-olds that are healthy, 
the so-called medical uh, people that are saying the herd, the herd of healthy people that have the antibodies may be built up that can fight this. We all need to go back to work. Oh, really? <laughs> really? We should just all go back to work. You heard this. You cut this up. I mean, what, what kind of tone-deaf nonsense is that? Now, I have a, a, a kid that wants to play college football. Gundy now is one of the last guys that I would even go to for my kid to play. Yeah, what, I mean... What? Seriously. Listen, you think football players are... are built up to be the, these superhumans and these 18, 19, 20, 22-year-olds. Well, you know who else was this 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old who falls in that category as well? Jordan McNair. You remember that name? The, the Maryland player who, who died? I mean, yes. things can happen. There, there are outliers in every single bit, and all it takes is one. All it takes is one casualty there where you look like the idiot. And you've got egg on your face. And we're talking about lives now on the line as a result of that. I mean, it's just amazing where he just comes off the top rope and just tells you, well, they're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds. They're all in good shape. Getting back on the field. Let's go. Move the drill. Let's go. You know, like, are you really serious about, again, you're trying to push something and trying to control something that we all cannot control. And that's the problem. Guys like Mike Gundy and others that are trying to control something that they cannot control. They wish that COVID-19 that was not around. And guess what? You and I wish that we could be able to break it down Cubs and Sox and everything else in sports right now that's currently going on during this calendar year of April 8th. Stuff that usually we usually would talk about. But guess what? That's not where we are today. That's not where we are. So until it, it, it until COVID-19, we're on the other side of this, and we can be able to go out and watch games again. That will be the time, not when Mike Gundy says so. Just because, well, all these kids are healthy, they don't have COVID-19, let's go out there and move the drill. Like, no, let, let's not move the drill. Why don't we wait until the doctors say that it's safe for us to be able to go out? Because that's the number one thing. That's the thing that matters the most. It is, I am just, uh, I'm not surprised because it's Gundy. But I'm, I'm just, it is amazing that some of these guys, they just say what's on top of their heads and it's cool. And they think, oh, it's quotable. And you know what? I'm right. You're not right. You're not right because you're not a medical doctor. That's why you're not right. We have to wait. And if you're not willing to wait, then find another profession. Why don't you get on the front lines like the people we just shouted out? If you just want to be able to work and you just are t too impatient, get out there and be a FedEx worker, be a mailman. You know, get, get yourself in a hospital and help people, if that's the case, Gundy, you idiot. What the, What is he doing there? It's not about an opinion. It's just about just being completely just wrong. Just wrong. We'll get a chance to talk about sports, and we'll get a chance to talk about dollars and cents. How much does this hurt baseball, basketball, with this COVID-19? We have an expert on that coming up next. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.